Take your Bibles and turn to Haggai chapter 1. Three books from the end of the Old Testament after Zephaniah. Haggai chapter 1. You know, I believe I've shared this with you before, but I once heard uh, John MacArthur humorously say that when he preaches, it's like delivering a bucket of truth. But sometimes God's people leave the service with a thimbleful, and by the time they get to their car, it's been spilt. <laughs> well, that's not the case in our text for today. And so I want you to follow what it says there, beginning with verse 12 through the end of the chapter. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people showed reverence for the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. On the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You know, clearly this text flows out of verses 1 to 11. Haggai had commanded the people to get wood and rebuild. We see that there in verse 8. And so now in this text, he is emphasizing the leaders and the people's obedience to that command. This is highlighted there in verse 12, which is followed by the action of it in verse 14. Look what it says there at the end of verse 12 or the middle of verse 12. With all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him And then at the end of verse 14, And the spirit of the remnant of the people, and they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. What you see here is so refreshing. That's how I experienced that as I was reading through this text. I was refreshed at the hearts of those people. As verse 1 and verse 15 point out, there was only 23 days between the original message and the resumption of the work, which, by the way, had to include some time for preparation. But it was only 23 days. And so though the people had been disobedient, it's a blessing to see how quickly their hearts changed and moved in the right direction. In fact, I like what James Boyce had to say about the timing that's recorded in this text with regards to the dates there. He said, I wonder if there is a date like that in your life. 
I mean a day in which you finally got the priority of your life straightened out and determined that from that time on, you would put God and His work first in everything. Amen, beloved. (laughs) I trust this is true of you. But if you are still sidetracked in some way, may today be your turnaround. In fact, we have these words from 1 John 2, 15 to 17, familiar words. Do not love the world nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. That's the characteristic of a believer. Do we get sidetracked? Yes, we do. But the pattern of our lives is to obey. It's to please God. And so what inspired the leaders and the people to obedience and getting back to the work? That's a good question. What inspired them? Well, from this passage, I want you to consider with me three clear incentives that I trust will encourage and challenge you as they did the people in Haggai's day. (laughs) I know they have inspired my own heart. Over the last couple of weeks as I have thought on these truths. Truths that I've known for years. And I think about them at various times. But it was good to refresh my heart with these things. And so I trust that they will encourage and refresh and challenge your hearts this morning. The first is recorded there at the end of verse 12. I'll start with the middle there. It says... With all the remnant of the people, obey the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people showed reverence for the Lord. What seems to be clear there at the end of verse 12? The people were motivated by a fear of the Lord. They were motivated by a fear of the Lord. That's what's captured in that phrase, showed reverence for the Lord or feared before the Lord. The Hebrew word there is yarah, which indicates this. You see, the people had come to realize that the prophet's words were God's word. Though it was spoken by Haggai. You see, God is the ultimate authority. They came to realize that they were not trusting God and that their neglect of the work was sin against Him. But a holy awe of Yahweh God led to their repentance and obedience before Him. I want you to look with me at these words from Proverbs. We looked at them earlier, but let's go back to Proverbs and just see some things that is said by Solomon there under the inspiration of the Spirit. Proverbs chapter 3. We'll look at a few verses here. Proverbs 3 and verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. 
Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Look with me at Proverbs 8 and verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogance, and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. Turn with me to Proverbs 16. 16 and verse 6. By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. Turn with me back to chapter 14, verse 26. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. And His children will have refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. The one one may avoid the snares of death. And let us not forget what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verses 13 and 14. The conclusion when all has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Indeed, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And these are just a few of those verses that we find in Proverbs. I would encourage you to read through all of Proverbs and see what it has to say about the fear of the Lord. As one commentator said, fear, holy awe filled their hearts. That fear which coupled with love is the daughter of faith and the beginning of true wisdom. Amen. If you remember, it wasn't too long ago that I was talking about this very thing in Habakkuk. Yeah. How important the matter of fearing the Lord was with him. In helping him work through issues of trusting the Lord. In fact, the prophets and the poetic books of the Old Testament speak to this matter a lot because it is the driving force in following God. We could also include Deuteronomy as we read this morning. But also let us not forget what the Apostle Paul, I should say Peter said in his first epistle. 1 Peter 1, 14 to 17. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear During the time of your stay on earth. Conduct yourselves in the fear of the Lord. That's what he's saying there. And so what about you, beloved, this morning as you sit here? As you think about these things. We've talked about these things before. This isn't the first time. Could it be that someone does not know the Lord who is sitting here this morning? You bet. It's very possible. Well, then I would say to you that a holy reverence for God is not in your heart. It's not. How do I know this? The Apostle Paul 
In Romans chapter 3, when he was talking about the sinfulness of mankind, said these very pointed words in Romans 3 and verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. That is the case for the lost person, the person who doesn't know the Lord. And so my prayer for you this morning, if that's you, then turn from your sin that's leading to destruction and trust the work of Christ for your salvation and deliverance. He is your only hope. Let Him change your heart into one that fears Him, that stands in holy awe, reverence before Him, day in and day out. Also, there could be some believers here this morning who have been neglecting God and His work for other things which have gotten your attention and filled your life. Oh, how I pray that the fear of the Lord would just grip your heart this morning. We were just singing about that, weren't we? Behold our God! It was exalting God there. Putting within us a holy awe and fear and reverence for Him. Are we just singing these things from our mouths? Or are they coming from our hearts? As I said before, Proverbs chapter 2 can be of help to you. Study it. Spend time in Proverbs 2 and what it has to say regarding the fear of the Lord and coming to know the fear of the Lord. Also spend time meditating upon God in His Word. Yeah. Especially the Psalms and the Prophets. There are other resources available to encourage your growth, such as the joy of fearing God. By Jerry Bridges. If you don't have that book, get it. And read it with an open Bible before you. <laughs> praying over it. Praying over your own heart. I truly believe that if you're serious about this, that if your focus is upon God, He will change you from the inside out. There will be a growing reverence for Him, for His Word. A delight in following Him, obeying Him. And so may there be a greater reverence, respect, and love that fills your souls and makes Him utmost in your life. The people were motivated here by a fear of the Lord. So clear, clear incentive. This brings us to another incentive, to obedience. And we see it there in verse 13. Haggai goes on and says, Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. I mean, what do you notice here, there in verse 13? The people were motivated by the presence of the Lord. They were motivated by the presence of the Lord. I am with you, declares the Lord. Wow. What an encouragement this must have been for those people who heard that. I'm with you. As I said before, they were under oppression from enemies of the land. 
who discouraged them from rebuilding the temple. There was indeed a fear of man, not a fear of God. We see that in Ezra 4, 4 and 5. I think we looked at that earlier, a couple of weeks ago. And so this word from Yahweh was a great inspiration to them in getting back to the work. Such an inspiration that he repeats himself again in chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. So with the Lord's presence, he would have their back, so to speak. I mean, what better protection is there than that, right? Okay, finally it comes out without me, you know, driving that. (laughs) Yeah, he has your back. There's no better protection than that. Another great example of this assurance is found in one of my favorite texts of Scripture. Turn with me, if you would, to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. I want to read the first nine verses. Joshua chapter 1. Verses 1 to 9. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea, toward the setting of the sun, will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Have not I commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now Moses had spoken these words to Joshua earlier In Deuteronomy 31, 7, 8, the very text that we read this morning as a congregation. So why the need to hear these words again? Well, I believe there was fear in Joshua's heart, as indicated there in verse 9. That's why he says, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. There was fear in his heart. And therefore, he needed reassurance. Only this time, it was directly from Yahweh Himself. It wasn't from just Moses. It's now from God, very God. I mean, just think about this for a moment. 
I did this past week. Here you have Joshua, after the death of Moses, taking up the leadership of these people. It wasn't 200 people. We're talking at minimum 2 million people. And much more. He had seen what these people had done with Moses. How they complain. Now I realize this is a new generation that's going on into the land, but their hearts are not perfectly right either. I'm sure he's expecting that he's going to have some of the same problems that Moses had. Besides the enemies in the land. So you might say, well, I can understand this fear. And yet, we know of Joshua, because it says elsewhere that he was a man of faith. In spite of all this, he stepped forward to the challenge before him. He didn't say, now is not the time. (laughs) As we see here in verses 10 and 11, what did... What does it say? Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days, you are to cross this Jordan to go in to possess the land, which the Lord, your God is giving you to possess it. Yeah. So beloved, could it be? That besides the priority of God being misplaced in your heart, that there is also fear keeping you from the work of the Lord. Or maybe it's just fear itself. Maybe it's fear of sharing the gospel. The Lord has put upon your heart to share the gospel with a friend, with a neighbor, your co-worker, someone you go to school with. God's put it upon your heart and yet fear just gets a hold of you. And you don't. And you disobey. How about fear of being baptized? You know in your heart you need to follow the Lord in baptism. That's what God's word says. And yet you fear. Or maybe fear in serving in some capacity here in the church. Whatever that may be. And you're covering it up with excuses. I've heard a lot of excuses over the years. (laughs) Seems like we're good at that. Remember the words to the Jewish exiles and Joshua are for you as well. Did you know that? Listen to what the writer of Hebrews said to some believers in the early church. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? He's quoting from Deuteronomy and from Joshua there. What's unique about that passage, and I've said this before, in the Greek there are five negatives. I will never, no never, no never leave you or forsake you. Isn't that wonderful? That's the promise of God which never fails. We have His presence. Take hold of this promise and let it inspire you to faithful obedience. 
The people were motivated by a fear of the Lord and by the presence of the Lord. So clear in this text. Those are two incentives. But there's another one as well. And we see that. I believe it's there in verse, still in Joshua. Yeah, verse 14. Look what it says. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. What is it that prompted obedience there? The people were motivated by the empowerment of the Lord. Yeah. They were motivated by the empowerment of the Lord. This is indicated by the phrase, the Lord stirred up the Spirit. That is, He enabled the Spirit of the leaders and the people to do His bidding. He roused in their heart that desire to obey the Lord, to get back to the work. We also see this mentioned in Ezra chapter 1. Go with me to Ezra chapter 1 if you would. Ezra chapter 1. I want you to notice what it says here with regard to Cyrus, the king of Persia, a pagan king. Ezra 1 and verse 1. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. (laughs) If you were to ask Cyrus if he made this decision, he would say yes. But actually, it was the Lord that stirred his heart to do such. To fulfill the word of Jeremiah, the prophet. Now look with me at what it says regarding the Jewish exiles in verse 5. Then the heads of the father's households of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites arose, even everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up and rebuild the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And then when you observe what is said here in Haggai that took place some 16 years later, it appears that they were stirred in their hearts by the presence of Yahweh. Look what it says there at the end of verse 13. I am with you, declares the Lord, so... The Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. You see, beloved, what God wills, He enables. He gives the empowerment to do what He commands in the lives of His people. In fact, what were those words that the Apostle Paul spoke in Philippians 2? When he said... Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Then he goes on to say, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He stirs up our hearts because we belong to him. 
He enables us by His Spirit. Now, how God does this is not always certain. But you know what really doesn't matter? How He does it? (laughs) He does. As you resolve to do His will. And I truly believe you know this. Maybe many of you have experienced this time and time again. Where there were moments when you just didn't feel motivated to do whatever. And then in that moment, by God's grace, he stirred up your heart. And when it was all said and done, you said, wow. (laughs) Why didn't I just simply obey the Lord and do what he wanted? Trusting his word rather than holding out, giving excuses. Listen to this account from the life of D.L. Moody. It says here, one day during his great mission in London, Mr. Moody was holding a meeting in a theater packed with the most select audience. Noblemen and noblewomen were there in large numbers, and a prominent member of the royal family was in the royal box. Mr. Moody arose to read the scripture lesson. He attempted to read Luke 4 in verse 27. Where it says, and many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. When he came to the name of Elisha, he stammered and stuttered over it. He went back to the beginning of the verse and began to read again. But he reached the word Elisha. He could not get over it. He went back a third time. But again, the word was too much for him. He closed the Bible with deep emotion And looked up and said, Oh God, use this stammering tongue to preach Christ crucified to these people. The power of God came upon him. And one who heard him then and had heard him often at other times said that he had never heard Mr. Moody pour out his soul in such a torrent of eloquence as he did that day. And the whole audience was melted by the power of God. Amen. Aren't you thankful that God has a way of enabling you and I when we flounder? (laughs) Really? Aren't you thankful? Yes. Maybe your soul is floundering today in the work of the Lord. Instead of making excuses, be motivated by the empowerment of the Lord. He will stir your heart because you belong to Him. Working out your salvation in fear and trembling. It's God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Isn't it His will for us to follow Him, to obey Him, and to please Him? Yes. And so He's going to empower you to do that very thing. He will stir your souls. Trust Him with that. I will tell you, this is an encouraging text. Isn't it? It is. It's meant to be that way. To see the people and leaders quickly obey the word of the Lord when they were confronted. I mean with a heart that feared the Lord and had the promise of His presence. They were empowered to do His will and please Him. Amen. And so my prayer is that these factors will inspire you who know the Lord To do the same. You know, the Apostle Paul told the Corinthians 
in his second letter. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. These very simple words. My ambition, whether at home or absence, is to be pleasing to him. Is that what you would say to someone who would ask you what your goal, your aim in life is? It's to please the Lord. He's my master. I want to fear him. He has my back. (laughs) He will empower me. I will trust him with that. And follow him. Serve him all the days of my life. That is my prayer for you as you leave here this morning. May God direct your hearts in that way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. and What a blessing it is to just read through this text and see these simple truths that are just laid out for us in this passage. And to be refreshed by the hearts of these people that when confronted, they quickly obeyed. Oh, may this be our testimony Because we know that there is sometimes fear in our hearts. Sometimes you, O God, are not our priority. Other things get in the way. But I pray that, God, when we are confronted by your word, such as today, oh, I pray that the fear of the Lord would just rescue us. That, God, knowing you are present with us at all times and empowering us, will turn our hearts around. And be faithful to you. So God, guide us in this way for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.